Our schools ought to be places where students explore, inquire, and unleash creative thinking within a supportive, collaborative environment. Too often, they feel more like factories that demand compliance and uniformity, a reality that stifles innovation. If you search for Elizabeth Bostwick's book on Amazon, you'll find that as the description. A powerful one, it is. And today, my guest is Elizabeth Bostwick, educator, educational leader, and author of Take the Leap, Ignite a Culture of Innovation. Hey, it's Matt, and you're listening to the Math Faust Mashup. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Matt Faust Mashup. I'm Matt Foster, your host, and I'm so thankful and deeply humbled that you've chosen to spend this time with me here today. Elizabeth Bostwick shares insights on the pitfalls of efficiency, shaping classroom culture, and actionable ideas for you and your school. Let's jump right into it. What happens when resources, tools, programs, materials are purchased and implemented without the input or even the shared decision making with teachers and even with students? Elizabeth shares some interesting insights on this question. So in your work with instructional coaches, in your work, uh, professional development, what are some recent learnings, uh, maybe over the last two to three months, that may be worth sharing with principals? So I'm really fortunate that I get to work alongside so many different educators in all different roles. And I would say that recently, one thing that I've learned is just the importance of involving all stakeholders in decision making. Sometimes for efficiency, I think that top-down decisions are made. And we understand that there has to be different processes for different situations, but we need to amplify the voices of all of those in which the decision will impact. So for example, if your school is looking to purchase new technology, a program, learning materials, or even classroom furniture, it's just critical to provide ample opportunities to those who will utilize the resource to share feedback, to best understand what's really needed and what's beneficial. Unfortunately, sometimes I see that programs or materials or technology tools are being purchased and teachers or students were never involved in the process of even looking at what the options were. So therefore, people are losing out on the insights of how, how does it work realistically in the classroom? What does it look like? What are the needs of the students and the teachers? And sometimes there's that disconnect and I think it's just so important that um, when making those decisions, we involve all voices so that we can make the best decisions. That's huge. That's and efficiency can sometimes get in the way with that. Just most of the time, that's probably what it is, isn't it? I would think so, because I think that people want to make a decision and move forward because we know that everybody in education in the schools, we know that everybody has a lot on their plate. And sometimes it's, it's nothing. Nobody is meaning to not involve somebody. It's more that I think that sometimes people are trying to make those decisions and keep the process moving. Um, but then 
the aftermath is that people are like, who decided on this? Why are we doing this? And, and I think that we can circumvent some of those struggles by involving all people and getting them to either pilot programs or instructional technology and be able to give the feedback so that we can get the right materials and resources in the classrooms. Aside from the medical profession, studies have shown multiple times that the teaching profession is the most stressful. And so emotional safety and well-being is a very important role for any school leader. It's an important factor to consider and a critical condition to have under control. What are some insights or ideas that you've worked with uh, in regard to increasing the emotional safety uh, and health of students, but also among teacher teams? Okay, I think that's just such an excellent question. And this is, has always been a passion of mine, but I find that it, it's something that I've really been focusing a lot more on recently. And emotionally safe learning environments are just an essential part of education because I'm huge into neuroscience and understanding how the brain works, but emotions impact learning. So fostering social emotional learning or SEL within a positive and responsive classroom culture, that's how we set the stage for greater success. And it's really important that we understand how the brain develops and learns to make sure that the classroom is a safe environment. And also that children feel safe socially, emotionally, and supported to participate academically. And when every student believes that they have something meaningful to contribute and that their ideas matter, that's when we begin to see deeper learning unfold. And if we want students to take thoughtful risks, persevere through failure or challenge, reflect and provide feedback to peers, and even to retool their work, we must first ensure that we're cultivating an emotionally safe learning environment. Elizabeth shares some amazing and practical, actionable ideas on how to increase emotional safety and well-being in your school right after this quick message from our sponsor. So you also asked for some ideas. So in the classroom, we can support SEL in many ways. First off, I think it's really helpful for students to even understand how the brain learns. And I even love that my 12-year-old came home the other day and he said, you know what my health teacher was teaching us? She was explaining how our brain learns and the fact that right now, the front part of our brain isn't fully developed, which is creating us to be more impulsive. And I thought it was really neat because she was teaching them about why they're feeling more impulsive and, and how those hormones and emotions all come together. And so he's learning about the brain process at school, which I think is awesome. But we can also incorporate the 16 habits of mind that includes um, listening with empathy and understanding, knowing how to persist through challenges. And in the classroom, one big focus of mine too, and I led professional development for years on this, was engaging in team building protocols in addition to debriefing questions that help children to process through listening and understanding with empathy. So what that looks like is that we have team building processes that take kids through cooperation and then collaboration and then challenge. And so in, within each of those sections, there's different team building activities. After the activities, you might go through the activities two, three times, but each time you debrief and have conversations about how did you feel in this situation? What was the communication like? 
how could you have done this better? So you're teaching that um, the ability for students to be able to listen to one another, empathize with each other, engage in conversation and communication so that they can effectively communicate with one another to do better and to be better as a team. And so that debriefing process is, is so critical. I think so often teachers say that they don't have time for that, but at the same time when you see the impact and that ultimately when your culture is thriving, learning thrives, then I think you can't argue that you've got to make time for it. So um, when it comes to teachers too, it's, it's just as important that we are bonding and connecting with our colleagues and looking at how we can uplift one another, add value to each other, and recognize and embrace each other's strengths. Again, every single one of us comes to the table and comes together in school with different strengths. And it's okay that one teacher may be stronger in technology and one may be stronger with um, engaging kids more in critical thinking, but that's where we get to share with one another. But I think when it comes to teachers and, and um, just having that emotional safe health, it's, it's really important for us to ensure that we're taking time for self-care. And self-care is really unique to each person, but it's so impactful to ensure that you're carving out time to exercise, engage in activities that help you decompress, eat healthy, and get plenty of sleep, which is critical. So often we wanna keep going, going, going because we have so many tasks to do, but that's also the worst thing that we can do because it causes burnout and it causes us to be frustrated and then we're not our best for our students. What are some actions uh, either a team leader, uh, an instructional coach, some type of school leader, regardless of the title, what are some actions that can be taken to really craft a culture that's going to be most effective for learning? Well, that's a very loaded question because culture is everything from the district to the school to the classroom. We all know that culture can be felt upon entering any one of the buildings. And so as a classroom as a classroom teacher, I will share that creating a classroom culture where every individual feels embraced is the number one strategy for a successful school year. So we all hear about meeting kids at the, at the door each day, and that is really important. It's important because we know that some schools, especially at the middle and high school level, they have shorter classes. So we wanna make sure that we're having those touch points with students and greeting them at the door. So that's first off, because we wanna make sure that we're creating those relationships one-on-one, -on -one, but then also amongst peers. So again, we can go back to the facilitating team building along with those debriefing questions that encourage learners to reflect, to process and emote, and even incorporate celebration when we overcome challenges. Um, doing so, when we, when we facilitate the team building, it allows every individual to understand what they're contributing to the culture of the classroom, and it helps everybody to understand that the communication piece is important and how we listen to one another and even build off each other's responses. So to me, I think also joy and enthusiasm are also absolutely essential for learning to happen, and that's proven through brain-based research. So as educators, we can't say that we don't have enough time when it comes to crafting a healthy culture. We need to create opportunities to design learning that embraces the ingredients of wonder, awe, joy, and enthusiasm. Because it's those critical ingredients that spark curiosity, keep our kids' brains engaged, and also drives motivation. So I think those are all strategies that we can take. Um, something more tangible, we could also be utilizing morning meetings even if it's once a week. So some people will, I hear time is always of the essence. I hear that a lot from teachers. So time 
If you don't have time to do it every single day, do it once a week or do a shortened version of it. But a morning meeting is a great way. It's part of the responsive classroom where students can come together and have talking points. They can share out on different sentence stems that the teacher or different prompts that the teacher has provided. But it's a great way to foster community in the classroom. If a listener wants to reach out to you uh, to get in touch, to talk about solutions, or to provide any professional development, where should we send them? Well, you can always connect with me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eliza Bostwick. And so it's E-L-I-S-A, and then my last name is Bostwick. So it's short for Elizabeth because my, but my name is spelled with an S instead of a Z in the middle, which is why I spelled it. Um, my email is also Elisa Bostwick at gmail.com. So it's kind of the same handle anywhere. I'm also on Voxer too, so people could connect with me there. I'm always all about connecting with educators and being able to share ideas and suggestions, but just even engaging in those conversations and hearing your ideas as well. I enjoy this conversation. Uh power-packed answers, Elizabeth. Oh, thank you, Matt. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on.